0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Alright, welcome back to Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. And we are fully in the the offseason for Chicago Um, I know some other teams as in Kansas City they are not thinking draft yet whatsoever Um, the Eagles are not thinking draft at the moment but pretty much every team I think outside of those two at this point are looking at the draft and I think even here in Jacksonville who played in the divisional round they just started this week getting into their draft talk I've heard but they haven't um, had as much Time looking into it as we have here. We are on what this is our fifth. I think it's fourth much, or fifth yeah. draft talk episode. Yeah, um, I
2: like I think it's like been like a well like almost. It feels like it's been a month since the regular season ended, but yeah. it's only been like what three weeks, something like that. Yeah, so I guess well, it's like a month, the- so.
1: Yeah, because I think the last—I don't know. It was like the 9th or something. I yeah. can't remember at this point. But it's February 1st, and we are now—what does that give us? like two oh less than three months away from the NFL draft.
2: It's such a long time.
1: I know. It's, um, I but it will be, be here so fast long. because yeah. right now—I I saw something yesterday. Uh, Rich Eisen, I think it was, who—he's who, having Justin Fields on next Thursday, by the way. So if anyone wants to listen to that, I'm sure it'll be some interesting stuff on there. Um, but he was kind of just going into detail about how— It's going to be a rough few months for Justin Fields because there's going to be all of these things of people saying he shouldn't be kept, like he needs to be traded. Bryce Young's better, CJ Stroud's better. They have a better, they're better passers. They're better this, and he was pretty much saying like Justin Fields doesn't need to worry about that because he does think that he is the quarterback for the Bears, but. He's going to be hearing a lot of chatter. Sometimes it's not easy when you're being told that, like, you are not as good as somebody else, especially when you just, someone like Justin, who just worked his ass off all season to even, like, try to keep us afloat at all. Um, but I, I kind of liked it, so I'm interested to hear that, hear Justin talk to him and just see, you know, like Justin's feelings of this off season. Uh, we know Justin, just from talking to his high school coach, is very competitive and puts things on himself sometimes that are not on him. So I'm sure he's kind of looking at a season as a whole and is a little bummed that they only won three games, and I'm sure at times blames himself for that. But I also think Justin's the kind of guy that knows he's good.
2: Yeah. And I think something else, I don't know if you saw this or not, but I think it was probably sometime, definitely within the last month, the last few weeks, whatever it's been, there was a clip on the Rich Eisen show of like one of his like side guys was saying like, oh, what do you guys think about the idea of, you know, trading Fields and then going after a guy like Bryce Young? And he's just like, and Rich Eisen and then one of the other guys is just like, why the hell would you do that? Justin Fields. Like, And then like, the other guy was just like, I actually think they should do that. And he's just like, that's such a stupid thing to say. Yeah. And lo and behold, the month later, Justin is going on a show. So yeah. like, Maybe that has something to do there's with a that. little you think there. there's a little bit of that. Yeah. He's like, I'll
1: talk to you. <laughs> yeah. You're
2: someone that I know is you know we're gonna get along with. But well,
1: and speaking of that, obviously one of the the news, I guess you can say news that broke it's not is. News. Albert Breer came out and said that the Bears are moving forward with Justin Fields and they're looking to trade down from that number one pick.
2: I could have told you that in the middle of the season, you know.
1: <laughs> no, I was just. But we just had all this stuff. Warren Sapp comes out, it's stirs just, up all this drama that he heard from inside the Bears organization. Is he, is that Warren they,
2: Sapp now? That's what I was like. like
1: where are you coming from he, to he, come and like break some sort of he news like go to that?
2: Like jail for something? He's not like he's not yeah, the guy. Not that reliable. you know, Yeah, he's just. I don't clearly. Know, yeah, exactly, and like. That's the thing too. Like you got to have all these former players have been the ones being like the Bears should trade them, it? like LaShawn McCoy is another yeah. one. Like anyone that works for Fox Sports on those debate shows. I don't care what you their have to say. Their takes are a little it's, wild. It's just they're, it's very. They're just getting off hot takes. Yeah. They're just getting off hot takes because and they know
1: people will comment. They know people yeah. will retweet yeah. and respond yeah. and talk about it on their yeah. podcast exactly. because that's yeah. what it like is. It's what we're
2: doing right now. And yeah, like it's just pretty much self promotion. You know. Yeah. And
1: so and, and I get it because if I was in a world where I wasn't covering a particular team, the best way to get interaction is to have hot takes. Yeah. You know. And,
2: and, and oh, so, sorry. Yeah. So
1: I mean, there's times on Helmets and Heels that sometimes I probably say stuff that people like think is me just trying to, like, get it, you know, rile people up. For example, rewind to last year around this time in Jacksonville and they were hiring Urban Meyer. Everybody here was excited except for me. And a lot of people were like, you're just saying that because you want, like, people to comment on your post. I was like, no, I hate him. Like, I truly hate him. He's not a good person. Yeah, And And so – Now it looks right, but at the time people thought I was crazy. Um, But some people truly do it just for those clicks, for that attention. And when you're a media outlet that is competing, when you're a place like Fox Sports competing with all of these other outlets – including NFL Network, ESPN, all of these things, and, it, and now all the podcasts now, you think that the best way to be successful is grab a player and have them say something crazy. Yeah,
2: I mean, at the end of the day, like, as much as people like to talk about sports and, like, the sport coverage of sports is a business, and it's mm-hmm. just, like, the more clicks you get, the more advertisers you get. The more advertisers you get, the more money you get. Yeah. So, like, at the end of the day, like, that's what those guys are doing. And I think something else that kind of always really bothers me is, like, especially when you have a really bad team. Like, the Bears sucked this year. Yeah. And— I'm, I'd say, a bigger NFL fan than the average fan. I watch a lot of games that don't involve my team. I do not watch, like, any Texans games this year. Mm-hmm. I do not watch, like, a lot of Cardinals games this year. I didn't watch a lot of, you know, a lot of the other teams that are, like, were terrible. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a national uh, host, unless you're a Bears fan, you have absolutely no reason a week to week to watch, the, watch Bears. the Bears. yeah. And, like, it wasn't an exciting thing to really well, do for did, a did, we
1: did still have five primetime games, yeah, so they was, don't have that much yeah. of an excuse. But, like,
2: I would say, like, for me, it's just, like, a lot of those times, Justin Fields—like, the highlights they're seeing were Justin Fields run for 60 yards. Yeah. They, they weren't, weren't seeing, seeing the game game They weren't to seeing game. Bayless Jones dropping a great pass from yeah. Justin. Or they weren't seeing, you know, all the great small things he was doing. It's just like, yeah, this guy can clearly pass the ball and be an effective quarterback at the NFL level. And they'd just be like, well, yeah, but like— can he throw the ball? It's yeah. just like, he's I at so good at throwing the ball. score,
1: and I watched the highlights in the morning, and all he did was run. And I'm like, ah, but you missed the 60-yard like, pass exactly. to, that was dropped. Or yeah. you missed Darnell Mooney, the pass to Darnell Mooney. Or who was it on the one? This Dante Pettis, I think, was the one on the sideline that was just like he kind of shoot him to go he was he was kind yeah. of changed the play as yeah. he was running and threw it. I think it was Pettis. Um but then the Darnell Mooney one which everyone was going crazy over Devonta Smith's who didn't catch it. Yeah. And Darnell Mooney made that catch, exact catch almost yeah. to a tee earlier in the season. Um but they don't talk about those ones. Yeah, they want like, to talk about the running and how he can't throw because it's easy to Google in the morning and be like Bears box score. And yeah, you look at it and he threw twenty times completed
3: 16 of 20 yeah yeah, 15
1: of 20 and for 140 yards yards exactly and a touchdown and you're like okay that looks like it sucks but what you didn't see is the reason all of it led to those things yeah um but Dylan the reason we're here today obviously is to continue to talk about the NFL draft but also senior bowl is going on right now and so obviously we are not there but with technology the way it is now we're seeing constant videos we've seen a ton of offensive linemen defensive linemen Um, their battles and size charts and all of that stuff, their measurables. And we've seen that this week. Today we just started really kind of hearing about some of the wide receivers and seeing some of those clips. Um, So this is just a moment where you get to know some of the guys maybe you didn't know by name before. Um, But we're going to talk to Ryan Roberts. He is an NFL draft analyst for – Rise and draft and rise and draft scouting. Um, So this guy's obviously this is his world is looking at guys like this coming out of college and um, scouting them and kind of figuring out what they're good at, what they're bad at, who are some of the maybe like guys we haven't really heard names from. Um, He if you look at his Twitter, it's right now clip after clip after clip of just offensive linemen pretty much which is cool because that's obviously one of the positions we want to look at but I want it before we get to that interview in just a minute I wanted to read this thing because so the athletic wrote an article and it got sent to me I think yesterday so the 2017 Bears staff didn't take so I there was the 2017 Bears also had coaches that were coaching in the senior bowl um, so this article was kind of talking about that and how they need to use that as an advantage this year as in because Getze, obviously, is there. Um, so the 2017 Bears staff didn't take great advantage of coaching the Senior Bowl. The Bears drafted only one player from the game that year, offensive lineman Jordan Morgan. Who? Nobody knows because exactly. he never played an NFL game. By um, coach now, obviously... Jetsy Polk sets. They all can learn about the players and the other coaches, and they can relay that to Poles and Cunningham. Obviously, um, things like how do they learn the playbook? What kind of player is he at practice? Where are some of his greatest strengths, and where do you see him, where do you see him as a person? Because those things are important. And when we when we talk to Joe Marino, that's one of the things that he mentioned is like they're humans also. So this whole process of the offseason is not only saying yeah this guy can catch the ball. But is he going to be a good teammate? Is he going to be a leader? Is he going to be able to learn this playbook? Is he going to take in what you teach him and what you're coaching him? So those are all of the things that they can take advantage of right now in the Senior Bowl, us having a coach there coaching. Um, but one interesting thing is last year the Bears drafted four players who participated at the Senior Bowl, Bayless, Braxton, Dominique Robinson, and Judd Tyree Carter. Um, so for a small Says for small school players like Jones and Carter, their performance against top competition likely put them on Polo's radar. That's that probably helped Braxton Jones so much. And thankfully, like those are the guys that we're going to look at in the future and be like, they noticed them at the senior bowl last year. And this kid went to a small school and now we're sitting here and he's the starting left tackle for the Chicago bears because of what he was able to do at the senior bowl and stand out. And obviously I'm sure the combine and measurables and all of those things started helping later down the road, but this is where it starts for a lot of these guys. Um, So it, It'll be really interesting to talk to Ryan to see some of these guys that he thinks are standing out because we've talked a lot about Will Anderson. We've talked a lot about Jalen Carter. We've talked about um, Brazee at this point, and we've talked about some of JSN and some of the wide receivers. But there's a billion names right now that are floating around, and some of these guys I've never even heard of. Um, So it'll be interesting. So we'll get to the interview with Ryan Roberts from the Rise and Draft, and then we'll just recap that a little bit.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com.
1: All right, now we are joined by Ryan Roberts. He's the NFL draft analyst for Rise and Draft. You can find him on Twitter at Rise, the letter N draft um, Ryan thanks so much for joining us we're super excited obviously for Chicago Bears fans this is a very exciting offseason probably the most exciting offseason we've had um, ever at least in my lifetime ever because there's just so many so many possibilities with what is going on with having the number one overall pick and having a first pick round pick in general, because we didn't have one last year. Uh, So I just want to get into some of these guys um, at the Senior Bowl a little bit and talk about some possibilities for the Bears and the draft this season, um, because it's really in full swing for us right now. So let's start with Some obvious news that's been kind of going around. Albert Breer today kind of came out and was like, hey, the Bears have said they are moving forward with Justin Fields and they're looking to trade that first overall pick. There have been some rumors otherwise recently. Guys like Warren Sapp have come out and said, no, they're talking about trading Fields and drafting Bryce Young and all of these things. So I want to hear your opinion on Justin Fields comparable to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and what you see in that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, the, the circumstance that makes the most sense that I think is the one that Albert Breer kind of put out there in the universe today, it's the fact that Bryce Young is a tremendous player. He's my top quarterback in the 2023 NFL Draft, but I don't think that he is – and I did have him – I do have him graded higher than what I had Justin Fields, but I don't think that the difference is so substantial that you take a quarterback number one and you part ways with Justin Fields when I think the Chicago Bears are in a situation – where you're just not ready to make that type of leap. I, I don't think that the, the roster is constructed in the sense that they're a quarterback away. I don't think that resetting the you know the time frame of a first-round quarterback is the right move right now because you still have three years of control over Justin Fields after this season, obviously, right? So I, I, I think that for me, Justin Fields took a massive step forward in year two. Year one, I had... A lot of question marks, and I, I honestly still do have some question marks about the ability to process and to work in the pocket consistently and just have kind of that internal clock in the back of his mind, but I think that you saw this year that the development he had from year one to year two is is very promising, and I think that the Bears are in a situation where trade back while you can, while there's a quarterback up top this, of, of a Bryce Young's caliber, along with the C.J. Stroud. and The NFL also, for some reason, really likes Will Levis. So if you want to kind of mortgage that pick to get as much additional draft capital as possible to trade back, I think that that's the way to go because I do think that Justin Fields is an extremely talented player and with the right players around him, I do think that he can be a franchise quarterback. So I I don't think that parting ways with him is a a wise decision because I just don't think that the difference between him and let's say a Bryce Young up top is so much so – that you make that jump just to get two extra years of of quarterback control, in my opinion, from a contract perspective.
1: Yeah, Ryan, we've kind of had that question mark around the Will Levis thing a lot in the last few weeks that <laughs> we've had these podcasts, but we are happy and open to anybody who would like to trade up to one. If it's Will Levis, that's great, whatever whatever they want out there. But let's jump to the Senior Bowl a little bit. Obviously, this last few days, we've seen a whole lot of the offensive linemen versus defensive linemen. We just started kind of seeing the wide receivers, but... A big storyline, obviously, here in Chicago is that Coach Getze is coaching this year at the Senior Bowl. How much uh, does that give an advantage at all for the Bears when it comes to finding some of these players that could be kind of sneaky ones in the draft?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the Senior Bowl is a big opportunity because you have limited opportunities to get to know these players from a personal level. You know, they have scouts, obviously, from all 32 NFL teams here that are going to be able to sit down with all these all these players on both the national and the American team. But then you have, obviously, the Combine's a big opportunity, and then you have some, obviously, of the, the individual meetings beforehand. But I think that this is an extra opportunity for the coaches to get to see it live, you know, and, and for a guy like Getse to get to see the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the offensive linemen, to get to see how kind of they maneuver in – in a very, I mean, it's a very stressful situation, right? Being, trying to learn a, you know, it's not, a, it's not an advanced system. It's not like a super in-depth system, but learning that system in a short amount of time, getting to know players around you that you're not familiar with, being in a setting that is not meant to be comfortable. You're, you're meant to be, feel uncomfortable because they want to see if you, sink, if you sink or swim a little bit. So getting the opportunity to see those guys in that type of setting, not just in the meeting room or on the whiteboard or watching some film, I think that that's a big bonus for a young staff, especially someone like Lou Getzi, who has the opportunity to see some of the best senior offensive players and defensive players in all of college college football and in this draft process. So I think it's a big added bonus and being able to see a different vantage point and how those players work in a on-field setting, I think is a big bonus.
2: So we've only had a few days of the practice so far. There's obviously still a lot of players that need to get out there and show themselves, but... Is there any names you've been hearing so far of guys that have really impressed people? Someone I've been seeing on the, on Twitter a lot, uh, Dewan Jones. He set the record for the uh, a wingspan at almost like seven and a half feet I saw. So that's the one that I think probably is going to go up a little bit, you'd imagine, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's really been an offensive and defensive line-driven event so far. I, I mean, to be completely transparent, I don't think it's a tremendous senior year from a wide receiver, corner, secondary perspective. So I, I think that that's kind of what people have been focusing most on is the trenches on both sides of the football. I mean, Dewan Jones had a really nice first day. Obviously, yesterday, I mean, it was so good that him and his agent kind of, you know, were on the same page that they were just going to sit out the rest of the week and just kind of, you know, just kind of set on what he was able to accomplish in the first game in the first day. But I mean, you, you hit it. I mean, almost a 90-inch wingspan, which was the longest in Senior Bowl history. He was six, uh, six foot eight and one eighth, 375 pounds, over 36-inch arms. I mean, the kid's just a massive human being, right? And you saw him working against guys like Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, where they are tremendous power rushers, but it's just—it's almost an impossible task to be able to work against a guy that big who also has pretty good foot quickness. I question the bend in his hips, obviously, but, I mean, he is a powerful dude and incredibly wide to get around. So he's been a big guy. I really love what I've seen from John Michael Schmitz on the offensive line, the center out of Minnesota. I think he's probably been the most consistent offensive lineman from day one to day two. I mean, he's just been kind of stoning guys on the American side of things. You know, some really talented interior rushers who just haven't been able to get anything on him in this past rush one-on-one. He's been able to sit down on power and show his athleticism in the team setting to get out in space. So, I mean, he's done well. Jalen Duncan's an offensive tackle out of Maryland that I thought had a really strong day and has continued to build on it today, a really Fleet-footed, long-pass rusher who's a true left tackle type at the next level. And then you have some defensive linemen that have had extreme flashes. You know, I think Isaiah Foskey's been a guy over the last two days from Notre Dame that has shown a lot of progress and a lot of twitchiness on top of being incredibly long, incredibly powerful. I'm a big fan of Will McDonald, who is a defensive end out of Iowa State, who was a very bizarre player at Iowa State because he was only played last year at probably about 227 pounds playing – Almost a four-four tech, but this week he was able to bulk up to 241 pounds. He has 35-inch arms, which is just an outstanding arm length for a player that hit, uh, that kind of plays his style. And he's a former six-foot-ten um, high jumper when he was in high school. So this is a really gifted athlete, really springy, athletic pass rusher who's a true outside track guy. So I think that that's kind of encompassing of what you should expect from this draft is that. There's some talent on the offensive line, although I think that it's a little bit of developmental, but the defensive line is really the bread and butter of this class. And I think you see that with what you're seeing in Mobile right now. A lot of defensive tackles, a lot of pass rushers. It's really deep, I think, on both sides of the on both sides of the trenches.
2: Yeah, I mean for a team that struggled mightily yeah. on both sides of the line, I think that's <laughs> the best news we could hear. So
1: Yeah, I was like, You are speaking yeah. words to our ears because I mean on both between Letting 55 sacks happen to Justin Fields, and then on the other side having the least amount of sacks and pressures when it comes to the defensive line. Those are two things we are majorly looking for. One name I saw a whole lot yesterday: um, Cody Malk. I believe that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, I saw that he Malk. Yep. Malk. Okay. He was all over left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, all of that. Do you did you, what did you see out of him?
3: Yeah, he he's a, he's a little bit developmental with with how you have to look at him. I don't. I don't think that he's a guy that year one you're going to get the most out of because he's still developing from a power perspective. But I mean, it, it's a, it's the most hilarious thing in the world for anybody out there that just kind of wants to go look at his profile for North Dakota State because there's a historical tab that you can look at and see kind of the progression of him as a player. I mean, he came to the to the program as a six four, two hundred and thirty something pound tight end, and now he's a you know listed at six foot four and a half, six five, somewhere in that ballpark. And he's now over 300 pounds. And wow. I, I think that what's really substantial about him is that he's a really gifted athlete. That tight end background shows up on film tremendously. He's a really smooth mover, good lateral quickness, good ability to mirror match and pass protection, just a lot of really nice traits. And he's kind of spent some time not only at offensive tackle, which he played at a North Dakota State this week, but he also has been playing a lot inside at guard. So, plays with a big, a great temperament, really nice athlete. The thing that needs to be worked on is obviously he needs to continue to get stronger and to really improve the, improve the anchor that he has in pass protection because all the athletic traits are there. He's a really tough physical kid as well. It's just about if you can really improve that power profile. I think he's a young man that could start at right tackle down the line. I think he could definitely start inside a guard. I even think that there's some teams that I've talked to that like him as a center as well. So he's got some – alignment versatility, some positional flexibility, and I really think that he has a lot of traits to work with. It's just about kind of really accentuating those strengths and getting the most out of his profile because there is still some rawness, but there's a lot of upside to him.
1: Yeah, those are some of the things. Just because I I was seeing his name a lot, and sometimes you see those names because – of their personalities and he immediately kind. it kind of took me back to like the Ben barch senior bowl where it was just yeah. kind of quirky and like immediately you're seeing all of these people give him attention because then it was his weird shake. This kid is missing his two front teeth and it's just like, kind of yeah, like it's here. funny. He it's mentioned it, but like, quirky.
2: I, I think I, I knew him much more as like the way he looked before I knew him as football <laughs> yeah. player, because like over the last two years that's gone viral at least like four or five times. So <laughs> yeah. he definitely is someone yeah. that I, he's been on the radar for a lot of people. Um, so some, a, a story that doesn't affect the bears as much, but I feel like it's been a big story nationally speaking recently Stenson Bennett you know he gets arrested uh at a time that the senior bowl is going on Jim Nagy president of the senior bowl comes out recently and says like yeah he decided not to come here I think he could have benefited a lot clearly you know with the situation he had going on with him getting arrested you know you didn't want that to happen do you think he's someone that would have truly benefited from going there or like do you think he's just kind of in a bad situation right now and you know just unfortunate luck circumstances wise
3: well I I mean it's very unfortunate I I don't wish any negativity upon these players especially in such an important process you know i mean they're on the cusp of making millions of dollars and generational wealth obviously for them and their family so i feel really bad that everything is kind of working the way it is but there's just there's been a lot of red flags behind the scenes to be honest with you guys you know it's not so much just the senior bowl thing because i disagree with the the decision that he made i do full-heartedly like you know you can accept the decision you can say that it's his decision and that's you know all true but at the end of the day, I mean, he was for gene projected as a mid to late round draft pick. Like this wasn't a kid that was going to go in the first round. So I don't think it's a wise decision to just kind of rest on your rest on the tape that you had and just say, like, I don't have anything to prove. I, I don't think that's true. Like, I think you have a lot to prove. And, it, and you know, people want to argue like, oh, he's a 25 year old guy. And how much development does he have? It's not all about just what you do on the field at the senior bowl. You know, it's the ability to sit down with those with those coaches and with the with the decision makers and the scouts and everybody that's in attendance and sell yourself, you know, like it's a resume building process. And I I don't think it was a wise decision because especially at the quarterback position for a guy like Stetson, who's not going to wow anybody with physical traits, like he had a chance to sit down and really show himself and sell himself to a program. And I think he missed a massive opportunity. And then when you hear obviously what happens, you know, getting, you know, the public intoxication stuff down in, down in Texas, like it's very unfortunate because, I mean, my first impulse is, like, that probably wouldn't have happened if you were, you know, training for the Senior Bowl or Mm. if you were up, you know, traveling to the Senior Bowl. So, it's unfortunate that all this stuff happens, but then you also hear things of, you know, that some scouts that he's had conversations with, like, there's been, like, this just weird, you know, kind of tension and and him kind of portraying himself as a a kid that kind of knows everything and doesn't need help. And there's just been really mixed reviews on Spetson from a wide scope. So... I mean, yeah, he could have definitely improved his stock. He could have really, I think, laid some of the stuff to bed that's kind of going on behind the scenes. But right now, I think Stetson had a good opportunity to be drafted in, in April. And, and right now, I mean, I would bet against him being drafted right now unless something completely changes. Because now, I mean, he has the arrest on his record. He's got the, you know, the, the inability to showcase his talents in Mobile. And then he's got all this rumbling behind the field, is uh, behind the scenes as far as his, conversations with scouts and just how he's kind of presenting himself so I, I think that it's very unfortunate but he's kind of you know he's kind of built the bed that he's lying in right mm-hmm. now so it's it's as, as unfortunate as it is it, it was his decision on what's happening right now
2: yeah and I, the thing i'm most disappointed about in the whole thing is we didn't get another baker mayfield video of him just getting absolutely laid out by a cop or something when he got arrested but i mean i couldn't agree yeah. with you more on all that stuff i mean i feel like the big question is that's Bennett georgia was just like he's surrounded by all this amazing talent Can he actually do it when he's not there? And the senior bowl would have been a great place to show that. You know, clearly he's like, oh, I can go party, celebrate the championship a little bit more and all that stuff. So, like, those do sound like some very negative attributes. So it's a little bit scary considering a guy who's, like, not for sure locked in to get drafted by any means, I'd say.
1: Well, and that's what's interesting because we see the—I mean, we saw what happened to George Pickens last year. And that was just the rumblings of maybe his personality and him not, you know, some of the -the off-the-field stuff. And this is even more serious than that. And it's a player who was already not going to go very high.
3: Yeah, right, and that, that's the biggest worry, and especially, I mean, because th- this is a young man that isn't being projected to be a franchise quarterback. He isn't being projected to be one of the first couple guys off the board and to be a face uh, of, of your football team moving forward. So in that instance, I mean, the best attribute a quarterback has as a, in a backup role is to be dependable, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that he isn't there and that all this stuff is happening off the field now there's going to be some questions that people are going to raise about, about how dependable and how much you can trust Stetson Bennett. And I mean, there's going to be a couple of opportunities, you know, the combine and the team and the meetings with the teams in, uh, individually, and there's going to be opportunities for him to, you know, dig himself out of this hole. But I mean, at this point, it's, it's tough to trust the guy right now with just everything that's going on around the, uh, um, uh, you know, off the field right now. So I hope he gets it together. I hope he's kind of, kind of, you know get his get his draft stock heading back in the right direction but right now it just it looks very bleak for him to say the least
1: yeah, I agree. And I I agree with you 100% because I'm never rooting for these guys to not make it. Like you, This is a chance of a right. lifetime for them. So I'm always rooting for them to be able to fix it and hopefully get drafted at some place uh, at some point. But you mentioned a little bit about wide receivers. And obviously you said you're not majorly impressed in any of this or especially the depth of wide receivers. But I saw a tweet earlier and you were talking about the Andy Isabella, how he dominated the Senior Bowl <laughs> the one year. And you, you said these drills yep. are des- designed for for those type of wide receivers so that got me really interested because what are you as a coach as a scout what are you looking for when you were looking to draft a wide receiver especially within those first three rounds
3: yeah it's a great question i was, I was talking to someone i think on twitter about this earlier it's a fascinating conversation taylor it really is because i think we need to understand that wide receivers all win in completely different ways you know and I feel like people kind of couple the ability to create separation into just one bucket, and I don't. I don't put that into one bucket. For me, there's players that win as premier route runners. There's guys that win just based upon being a better athlete than the guy across from them. And then there's a a bucket of wide receivers that win by creating separation in the air. And I I feel like people don't talk about that enough, right? They think that separation is just – you know, separation in and out of breaks and that type of thing. But you can create separation in the air. You know, a lot of great receivers, the DeAndre Hopkins of the world, the Julio Jones of the world, they weren't incredible separators with route running, right? Like they were separators because they could win above the rim. They could elevate. So for me, there are different ways to calculate how successful a player is at creating that separation. That's the first thing I always look at. The thing that I look for is, okay, if you're a guy that separates in the air, do you have the traits that, 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 will, that, that will translate to the next level? So if we're talking about a guy that's going to win in the air, do you have that height? Do you have the springiness as an athlete to get up and elevate? Do you have strong hands to win through contact? Those are the questions. If you're a guy that wins as a route runner, I need to know if you have good hip sync in and out of breaks. I need to know if you understand how to attack blind spots, where to set things up, how to stem. There's a lot of different attributes to how you win, but the be- the more you can do in that regard, then the better of a player that you're going to be. So if you're a player like a Julio Jones who can separate as a big-body wide receiver, win above the rim, but can also separate because you're running in the four threes, then you're a guy that becomes not just a good player, a potential role player, but becomes a very good wide receiver that can win in multiple ways. So the more you can win is always the best. I, d- I really don't like these the, the one-on-ones for, for – um, for pass coverage and wide receiver one on ones at these events, because it's predicated for wide receivers to win. And you see a lot of, you know, Andy Isabella was the guy that I threw out there, but I mean, there's guys every single year that you look at and say, you know, that's, yes, they're getting open, but there's no safety help. There's no linebackers playing from the second level of depth to kind of work into the zones those one-on-ones are, are meant for wide receivers to win. So I don't think they're a great indicator. I worry much more about what does it look like in seven-on-seven, seven? what does it look like on team drill. But like at the core of what, what I look for in a, a wide receiver is I need to understand how you win and is that translatable to the next level. If you can win in one way, you can play in the NFL level. If you can win in multiple ways, that's when you become a legit volume getter in the NFL. And then if you can win in all three ways, you're one of the superstars in the NFL wide receiver. So the more you can win, the more uh, separation you can create, the more valuable you are, in my opinion.
2: So uh, I'm an Iowa State alum. You already mentioned the uh, big uh, other name for us. We're gonna have there Will McDonald. The other big name, uh, Xavier Hutchinson, a wide receiver, is someone who on Twitter a lot of people were actually giving some high praise to. Do you think he's someone that actually is you know one of those players that's really setting himself apart, or would you say it's more like what you were just saying, where it's he's succeeding in these individual drills
3: and not in real game scenarios? Or is
1: it also Twitter just hyping him up? That's that too as well. <laughs>
3: I mean, Twitter's always going to hype up everyone, which is kind of the, the it's a double edged sword of Twitter. But I really do like Xavier Hutchinson for what he is. You know, I, I think that there, you, you can't, you can't misevaluate what he is because then you won't appreciate it. You know, he's not the flashiest athlete of all time, but he has a really wiry frame. He's got a big body. And I think that he plays with just a great understanding of how to get open and really strong hands. So, he reminds me a little bit of Rashard Higgins that's played in the NFL now for a couple of years. You know, there's nothing flashy about him, but he just kind of gets the job done, you know, and that might only be a number three receiver. That might only be a number four receiver, but those guys are valuable because at his size, six, one and a half, two hundred, 200, you know, plus pounds, I think that he's a guy that can be a dependable option, play with his size, play with his ability to have a big catch radius, strong hands, and then also contribute on specialties. I think he's the type of guy that will go down there, on a punt, on a kickoff, and, and add extra value to your team. So I really like Xavier Hutchinson. I think he's going to get drafted on day three, and I think that he has the ability to have a role at the next level because he does some of the little things that aren't incredibly flashy. But they're just so valuable to building a football team, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, based off all the things you just described, I'd be more than willing to spend mm-hmm. a day three pick on him. And I mean, I already got you know totally. the little connection there, so I'm a little bit biased. But. Yeah, yep.
1: we have <laughs> we it. have. I feel like we have plenty of number threes and fours on the Chicago Bears. I'm looking for a number one. Um, yes, this but, is true. <laughs> but one more for you, Ryan, before we let you go, because obviously we've talked a lot yep. about the Senior Bowl and these guys that maybe we didn't know their names as much, but. The big thing is the Bears have the number one overall pick, and a lot of people are saying that the Will Anderson, Jalen Carter is the way to go. Whether they stay at one or if they if they trade back, maybe with the Colts still trying to get one of those guys, what are your thoughts on Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, and who should the Bears get if they stick at if they stay at one?
3: Yeah, it's it's a really fascinating conversation because I don't think there's a wrong answer to the question, right? Like I think that jalen carter is a, is going to grade out slightly higher than will anderson to, for me which was a very big surprise to me when i f- started doing their final evaluations because i'm high on will anderson that, that kid is a blue chip player you know 6'4 245 incredible bend flexibility can play in space a little bit too which is really interesting so he can do a lot of things and obviously his production over the last two years at alabama especially is eye-popping right like he's a really talented football player plays with a great motor big fan of will anderson But I think that Jalen Carter is the more rare player for what he is. You know, you just don't see that type of interior player that can disrupt the game at such high level. You know, he can play at the point of attack. He can two gap. He can do all that stuff. But what he is as an athlete is special. You know, I compared him a little bit to Warren Sapp, who, you know, I, I don't like putting out those types of comps too often because I'm comparing him to a hall of famer, one of the best interior pass rushers we've ever seen. But, I think that he has that type of upside. He can re- he's slippery rusher. He's really good with his hands on the interior, explosive, really good football player. And the good thing about where the Bears are in this draft with number one is that if you do trade back with the, with the Colts, one of those two are going to fall on your lap because mm-hmm. someone's going to take a, a quarterback at one. The Texans are probably going to take a quarterback at two. So you're probably going to get either one of Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. So I don't think there's a wrong choice in that conversation, Personally, I do I do just side with Jalen Carter slightly just because I think he's a more rare football player, but not a cop out. But I really I just don't think there's a wrong answer in that conversation.
1: Now, what about if they go a little farther, maybe to seven with Vegas or nine with Carolina? Do you see them doing maybe grabbing a guy like Brazil or do you see them going a different route?
3: Another great question. I, I would say. That, for me, precedes your last chance to get a legitimate top 10 talent on the defensive side of the football in the top 10. I know that there's guys like Tyree Wilson, Tyree Wilson excuse me, from Texas Tech that a lot of people like. I think he's a really talented football player. I just don't think he's a top 10 pick. I just really don't right now. And there's a lot of corners that you're going to hear. Like, I'm a big fan of Devin Witherspoon. Top 10 still is a little bit high for me. They're going to talk about guys like – Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, who's a really talented corner, Joey Porter Jr. I think that the depth of the cornerback group is fantastic in this class, but I just don't think that there's a top 10 lock to me. So I think Brian Brisee the guy that makes the most sense. One, because you already said it, you know, the Bears need help on the defensive line all over the place. And Bracey's a player that, I mean, he was recruited as a strong side defensive end originally coming out of high school. Like he played on the edge and obviously he settled into more of a three tech nose roll for Clemson. And, he missed a lot of time over the last two years, you know, two years ago, he's dealing with the injury that obviously cost him a lot of the season this year, the unfortunate circumstance of his, of his daughter, I mean, daughter, his, his little sister passing away from cancer was really unfortunate, but unfortunately he had to miss a couple of games due to it. So he's missed a lot mm-hmm. of time, but Brian Brissy has special talent. I mean, he's six, 300 pounds, long arms, can play anywhere from a shade nose all the way up to a five at times. I think he's a special talent. It's just you have to kind of bet on the traits a little bit with him because he just doesn't have a ton of production due to certain circumstances over the last couple of years.
1: Well, I just wanted to say thank you, Ryan. Um, a lot of good information there and a lot of players that now I have to go watch some film. And see. Ready to hit the YouTube. <laughs> yes, here we go. Um, but enjoy your, I guess, crazy next few months as you prepare for the draft.
3: Uh, thank you both so much. I really appreciate it. Right,
1: thanks. Have a good thanks. one. All right, well, thanks to Ryan, obviously, um, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, he is very, very well informed in all of these things. Um, there's a, I know a lot of the people he w- got very technical on a lot of things, and I really liked hearing the the different the three types of separation. Uh, it's very interesting because it is at when you're watching a wide receiver and when you look at numbers, even when you look at I, I saw a stat recently talking about the bears having I think the third lowest wide receiver separation this last season. Um, and now I'm curious as to like, what level of that was it was it all three bad? Like who was any of them getting like a certain, a certain one of those separations? Obviously we know there wasn't a whole lot because mm-hmm. there were, we just by eye, you can see that type of thing, but it makes me want to go back and kind of watch some of the games that things were maybe clicking a little better and see if some of those those some of those things were happening. But it's also interesting because I don't know who I want jalen or will i feel like every I, everyone podcast, says the same someone thing someone sa- well someone yeah. says something different i feel like because yeah. joe Marino was full-on will anderson like he's the best prospect he's the best guy he's number one on their big board and he says jalen carter he has rated higher and he loves jay like he loves both of them yeah. but he says jalen carter ha- has a slight edge over it and so i'm like i keep going back and forth oh but and then the one thing that i think he pointed out about Jalen Carter is just, like, how, and we've talked about this briefly, or probably more than briefly, actually, but just how much he can help that interior and how much the interior helps the outside. Yeah, And I think that's what is Going to be so interesting to watch this next few months, but obviously, that's going to drastically change if they get an interior veteran guy,
2: yeah. And what I've been by this a lot of people are saying the same thing is I don't think anyone's really had that strong of opinion. Yeah, they're either all like way. they're close, they're just, <laughs> everyone's <laughs> yeah. just like, I like you know, Jalen Carter for this, this, and that reason. But like, if I end up with Will Anderson, I'm still thrilled, yeah. you know. So, like, that's kind of more what I was saying, where it's just like no one has really been like, Jalen Carter, don't pick Will Anderson, yeah. You know, it's just like you can pick Jalen Carter, I like him more. Yeah. But like Will Anderson is also a fantastic yeah, choice. Yeah. Like you
1: won't, you're not getting like, you don't need to be bummed if you have to take yeah. Jalen. instead not like, of Will. yeah,
2: it's not like the difference of like, for example, drafting like, you know, Miles Garrett number one and then yeah. Mitch Trubisky number two. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's not, not like that kind of difference. And so, but I,
1: I am getting a little, I am starting to get a little anxious about the fact that like I do not want to, I really, really hope the Colts give us what we want. Yeah. Like that's where I'm at right now in my mind because I get it. If you go to 7 9, you can get a guy like Brissy and, I forgot about that. His sister passed away. I remember when all that was going on because they had, I remember seeing, like, a little special on ESPN or something. And it was about his sister having cancer and passing away. And it was, like, the first game he played after it. And it was, like, very emotional. Yeah, it's super sad. And, like, something else you know is
2: going to happen is, like, ESPN or ABC, the alternate broadcast they do, they're just going to all over that oh, on yeah. the draft night. And you're just oh, yeah. gonna, be crying, Everyone's gonna be crying. And it's just gonna be you like you always
1: see the sad stories on yeah. draft night and I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, yeah. I, I always cry a little. But yeah, so somebody like that obviously he said is a good but they need work. And so like to me, I'm just like Colts come on. You yeah. Need a I quarterback. want four.
2: <laughs> I want four. You guys want one. Like you've had 75 the quarterbacks are at in the them last five two you gotta yeah. hop them to get your guy.
1: You do not want Houston to take your quarterback. It just it makes MD. too much sense. That's oh, no. really what it
2: is at the end of the day. And I feel like it's so it's so rare that these trades that everyone's talking about like constantly is like end up happening and like yeah. that's a part of me that freaks me out so much. But it just really makes too much sense for that Colts trade.
1: I know, and yeah. like for everybody. Yeah, like everybody. all sides,
2: and like even like with the Texans, you could yeah. argue with that standing with that. And like, then, you
1: know, Houston's going to be on the phone because they know they that Colts like, are going to be on the phone. Exactly. So they're going to be like, well, we'll give you this, but then the Bears are going to be like, well, the Colts are giving us more because we have to trade down to four. Yeah. And for you, like, because the Texans aren't going to give us as much for one spot. The Colts, knowing they have to skip over Houston and move up those few more spots— are going to have to offer a little bit more, but we can still get one of the guys. Like, yeah, worst I, case, I really we're getting want, Will or yeah. Jalen, whoever Arizona doesn't want, whoever trades and like, up with Arizona. Ideal and that's scenario. If another quarterback. Doesn't and that's
2: an up. ideal scenario. Like maybe uh, Arizona trades down to two, and we have our choice of the two of them. Yeah, you know, like that's very well, real. What possibility. do we do? Then
1: yeah. that's stressful. And you
2: know, may- hey, maybe we trade out again. You know, maybe <laughs> one of them's still Ryan, there. Yeah,
1: you make this decision, and you better be yeah. right. I
2: think something really interesting, though, going back to our conversation we were just having. um... Something he mentioned about Andy Isabella, I think that's very interesting because Andy Isabella was selected before DK Metcalf in their draft. And DK Metcalf is someone throughout the whole combine process, the whole thing, was he got the initial bump of just like, oh my God, look at this guy, he's an athletic freak. And then almost instantly, when he had to actually start testing things, people were just like, he can't turn quick enough, he can't do this right, yes, yes, whatever, like he's not good enough to be more than just a guy who runs fast and runs straight. And Andy Isabella, on the other hand, is someone who tested through the roof of the yeah. combine at senior days and all of this stuff. And they've had completely opposite careers yeah. where, like, DK has been nothing but successful. Mm-hmm. Andy Isabella, I can't think of one thing he's done in the NFL at this no. point. You know? So it's, like, it's very interesting to see how, like, as much as these scouts and these tests we think project, you know, mm-hmm. who's going to be good or not, they're just completely wrong in that case. Yeah.
1: And, and that's, what, that's when you start getting fooled by the measurables and yeah. the eye test type stuff. And as much as the eye test is good, there's certain times when you're – Those things happen and we hear about these guys and they run this fast and they have this much separation and they haven't dropped a ball all the time, but uh, the whole time. But like he just mentioned, when you're not fully playing with the corner or safety that is having to guard you like as in an NFL game, it's a different world. And so that's when you have to go back to film and that's when you have to go back to like college because when these guys are at Senior Bowl and they're just – it's a lot of drills and it's cool like you can get certain things out of these drills but they're not playing real speed football yeah and then you also the nfl is an even faster speed than college football so yeah. you have to also say okay they could do it successfully at this level but can they do it when you notch up the speed
2: yeah and i think something else to really look at is like as you mentioned like there is very rarely a scenario in the nfl where you're a talented receiver and you have a one-on-one matchup yeah there's always some kind of help somewhere mm-hmm. coming and like maybe they're not getting double teamed but like Having a safety over top just to prevent you from running straight yeah. makes it harder. Yeah. You know, so like not being able to deal with those things in the live game scenarios definitely is it's a lot more difficult for the scouts. Yeah. And something I do feel like the senior bowl really is, I think it's not more like, unless you are like a DeWan Jones where like your measurables just has to be like way crazier mm-hmm. than everyone thought. I feel like it's more something that like people don't want you to play poorly in rather than they want you to excel in. Yeah. Because you're, you're, not, you're not just playing against college football players, mm-hmm. you're playing against some of the best college football players. And you're no longer just, like, you know, the best player on your team. You're the best player in a group of good players. So if you can still manage to be, like, successful and maybe not necessarily, like, look poor amongst that group, it probably gives them a lot more confidence in how you compete at the next level, I'd say.
1: Oh, for sure. And you mentioned the Dewan Jones because, first of all, insane. Like, if people do not know his measurements, he He's be a pick Six 6'8". 375, his hands 11 and 3 eighths. That's like double Kenny Pickens. Yeah, <laughs> Kenny and Pickens like hands. something else
2: I think he's got. like Arm
1: 36, 5 eighth, wing 89, 4 eighth. So last year, the reason why Trayvon Walker, one of the reasons why Trayvon Walker shot up so much when it came to all of the measurables in the combine and all of these things, other than like the weird workouts he was doing and was getting some tension through that, his arms were 34 yeah. And that was, like, one of the things where they were like, whoa, this guy has 36 and five-eighths.
2: Yeah, because as big like, of a deal as insane. it is, like, if you can grab the other guy before he grabs you, yeah, you have the advantage. That's what it's about. Yeah. yeah. And, like, he was playing next to Paris Johnson on the Ohio State offensive line, who's been looked at as possibly, like, the top tackle in this draft next to Saransky. And clearly, I feel like he kind of just got outshined a little bit being at the right tackle spot, because, like, yeah. this guy is a physical freak. Yeah. So, like, I, he was, like, looked at as, like, a <sighs> second, third-round pick before this I'd be shocked if he's not a first rounder now.
1: Yeah, uh, someone like that would definitely be fun to have. That's a big guy, almost 400 pounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is the this is that time of year when we'll start hearing this, and like we kind of jokingly said with Ryan, like, is it just Twitter people saying they're good? Because you're going to hear, there's going to be some sort of scout or. There's a lot of people there that do their own podcasts and do stuff like that, and they get credentials for these things, and they're looking for specific positions or a certain team, or they're a, you know, an alum from a certain college, so they're kind of into their guys. And so when you're reading Twitter, you're like— this guy's good, this guy's good, this guy's good. Man, he was fast. Man, he caught every pass. Wow, this guy's big. He looks like he can do this. And they're posting the best clip of the day of that person. Um, so you have to take some of it as a grain of salt. Like, if you're there and you're being able to observe everything at once, it's different. But we're seeing a clip of one of these guys being able to handle their own against one defensive lineman. And maybe the next three they get crushed yeah, and I mean, pancaked and don't see it. You
2: see the highs and the lows. Yeah. You know, like, if you're someone that gets absolutely killed, you yeah. know, you're probably going to see that one. But like if I you... did see
1: one of the notre dame who was it one of the notre dame guys got the defensive pancaked like ben. oh got
2: oh got pancaked oh pancaged. yeah yeah. Name. like yeah.
1: i was like oh yeah there was, not there was pretty. i don't
2: remember who it was exactly but there was this one running back trying to block a linebacker and like he didn't even touch him and i was just Zeke. like yeah
1: his name is Z. yeah I, yeah
2: and like it's just yeah like not great not what you yeah. want but Yeah, the Senior Bowl is one of those times where you can really find the gems. And I do think having Etsy and the coaching staff there, it's going to be really helpful. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited for it, which is kind of weird because I've never really been excited for the Senior Bowl. But it'll be cool to see what comes out of it.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, that is another episode of Making Monsters. Uh, We'll have another one next week. And obviously, we'll know even more Senior Bowl stuff by then um, because it'll be completed. Uh, So we'll have a lot more on some of these guys. Hopefully, we get a guest who maybe we can talk about some of the, like, What you don't want out of these guys, because with Ryan, we talked a lot about, like, what do you look at for the wide receivers? What are you seeing the good out of the offensive linemen? Maybe we can get some of the bad, like who is not performing well? What do you look for to just say, no, this guy cannot be an NFL player? Um, Things like that, because it'll be it'll be fun to just kind of hear the opposite, you know. So maybe we'll we'll aim for that. But either way, uh, this has been so far a pretty fun. We made it through January. Now, we've got to make it through February and March and almost all of April. <laughs> it
2: feels like years. Like, as, as much as it's, I know it's going to fly by and we're going to be there and it's going to be draft night, but it just feels like such a long time from it now. It does. On. But, all hey, right. it's it's exciting because we haven't done anything and we got all potential in the world still. So oh, yeah. It could go amazing, but yeah, you know, maybe sure. it goes poorly. But I think it's going to go amazing. So.
1: All right. Uh, well, that is Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. We will catch you guys next week for some more Senior Bowl draft talk.
2: See you then. <laughs>
0: first thing in the morning as soon as you wake up the to-do list starts